What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you're gonna pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am the genius, Lanny Poffo. That means an awful lot. Not only can I prove I am, but you can't prove I'm not. I speak 11 languages. Escuchen, por favor. Santana comes from Mexico. Yo hablo más mejor. The French I speak is magnifique. They told me in Paris. My Italian's molto bene. I learned when I was three. I speak Latin, Greek, and Russian, Hebrew, and Portuguese. I speak Swedish and Norwegian, and I'm learning Japanese. Aside from my intelligence, I'm cunning as a rat, and I shall put these attributes to use upon the mat. I remind the competition and every wrestling fan, behold, the genius Lanny Poffo, the world's smartest man. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your one-month free subscription of the WWE Network by using our direct link. And in that one month free, you will get the Elimination Chamber, which will help set the pace for the biggest stage of them all at WrestleMania 34. So sign up today at wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and do not miss any of the action. That's only on the WWE Network. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today we are joined by the man who was known as the Poet Laureate of the WWF back in the late 1980s, early 1990s. With his trademark frisbee and his poetry, he is a man who was known as a leaping individual. He was also known as a genius, as Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. the genius joins today's program and leaping Lanny Poffo is here to discuss his Kickstarter comic book autobiography genius Lanny Poffo wrestling's smartest man when it comes to the poems and the poetry of Lanny Poffo we remember all the matches that he had to start whether it was as a heel or as a babyface where indeed he shared his talent and his knack for poetry to get it out to the masses and of course we talk about his frisbees that he would throw to the crowd as a babyface but also as a heel man did he manage to get under your skin his talent and that knack to write that poetry that helped get him over as such an amazing amazing heel in the early 1990s and with his kickstarter autobiography the genius lanny poffo wrestling smartest man you can get over there to kickstarter.com and you can continue tribute to the final days of this campaign to get the comic book funded for wrestling 
Magazine's Smartest Man and learn the life story of Lanny Poffo, which, of course, his family history is so rich. It's not even funny. Of course, we know his brother is the late, great WWE Hall of Famer, the one and only Macho Man Randy Savage, but also his father, Angelo Poffo, who in his own right is another wrestling legend who just he absolutely started a war with his ICW promotion. He started the territory war between Memphis and ICW, but also was a longtime professional wrestler. And the family history and all the things that the Poffo family did in ICW and in Memphis is something that is literally ingrained in the history of professional wrestling. And to get Lanny Poffo on, is so cool to get to talk about it because this is his life story, but it's coming to you in the form of a comic book. And I personally, I think that is so cool because it's different but it's also indicative of 2018 media and how people are very into the comic book scene and this is not the first one to come out there's many other ones there's a Nikolai Volkov comic book there's the Killer Bees comic book there's a Hacksaw Jim Duggan comic book but now to get the genius Lanny Poffo out from my point of view as a 1980s wrestling fan this is so cool that to get Lanny Poffo on to talk about it is the icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned with the two-man power trip of wrestling and what we do on this show. So, John, as I welcome you in here now, why don't you talk a little bit more of Lanny Poffo in this interview, talk a little bit more about the comic book and some of those matches that we get to talk about with Leaping Lanny Poffo, the genius, on today's episode. Yes, Chad, and it's a very, very special episode of the two-man power trip today because we bring in a wrestling royalty, a member of one of the greatest wrestling families of all time, the legendary Poffo family. Obviously, it all started with his dad, Angelo Poffo, and obviously himself and his brother, the late, great Randy Macho Man Savage, a.k.a. Randy Poffo, and that is one of the greatest, most storied, most legendary wrestling families ever in the history of wrestling, and it is great that Lanny will be having a Kickstarter comic book autobiography on his career. Please check it out on kickstarter.com and look for the genius Lanny Poffo wrestling a smartest man. It is a great autobiography and a great look at the career of Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. the genius, a.k.a. the poet laureate of the WWF, a.k.a. wrestling's smartest man. So please, there's only a few days left to take part in that Kickstarter campaign. Go to kickstarter.com, look up the genius Lanny Poffo, and please put some money into that. You won't be regretful of what you get in return because you're going to get some great prizes, including comic books, autographs, some pins, a lot of great, cool, cool stuff that they always put out there on Kickstarter, and especially when you're dealing with these wrestling comic books and these awesome autobiographies of these careers. So take a stroll down memory lane with Lapian Lanny and check out that on Kickstarter. Now, as far as this interview is concerned, obviously we cover his whole career. We talk about ICW. We do talk about the Popo family. We do go into a lot into his time in the WWF, not as just the genius, the legendary heel character but also as leaping lanny when he first started out in the wwf and we talk about a story about vince and tuesday night titans and how he was reading poems and throwing out frisbee so that's some great stuff we go into the andre headbutting story at the battle royal saturday night's main event and we go into the blood and the a lot amount of blood that kind of followed that so that's some good stuff and of course we do talk about his heel run as the genius we talk about how he was managing mr perfect and those two's chemistry together we also talk about how it was a shorter run than we really originally thought he said it was only about three or four months for whatever reason to us it always seems longer because it was done so well and it was so great so that's some really really cool stuff there obviously we go into the feud with the hulkster the immortal hulk hogan and how he does own a victory over the hulkster so that is some great stuff and while i'm talking about that i gotta mention the wwe network please go to wwnetwork.com tmpt and sign up for the WWE Network, you don't want to miss it. I know the Elimination Chamber is coming up. You won't want to miss that. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff is coming up on your way. And our weekly suggestion here, or my weekly WWE Network suggestion, would be that Saturday night's main event where Leaping Lanny, a.k.a. the genius himself, defeats Hulk Hogan by a countout with a little help from his friend, Mr. Perfect. So if you're going to you know, go to WWE Network, 
Go to wbnetwork.com, subscribe to it. That is wbnetwork.com slash TMPT. Sign up today and go right into WWE, go right into Saturday night's main event, and go right for Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. The Genius, versus the immortal Hulk Hogan, and you'll see a shocking, shocking victory by The Genius, even if it is Viacana. It's still a shocking victory over the then-WWF world champion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview, and right after that, head over to the WWE Network and head over to wbnetwork.com slash TMPT to sign up today. Absolutely, and don't you dare touch that dial, because after the conclusion of the Lanny Poffo interview, you're going to hear our little bumper, but we're going to give you a couple more minutes, a little tribute to the Poffo family, as we hear from a few folks that know the Poffo family very well, and I'm talking about Rip Rogers, Ronnie Garvin, and author Mark James, as we give you a little bit more history behind ICW and the Poffo family and what they did down in the ICW territory, the feud with the Memphis territory, and much, much more. So stay tuned after the Lanny Poffo interview is over for a couple extra minutes, a couple little Easter eggs, courtesy of your pals here at the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. And like we mentioned at the start of the show, like John mentioned with his match suggestion, head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and sign up today for the WWE Network and go find yourself some Randy Savage, some Lanny Poffo matches and enjoy and also stay tuned for the Elimination Chamber later this month as we get ready for WrestleMania 34. And if you've been following us on Facebook, you've been following us on Twitter, you know that TMPTCon is coming your way on May 19th and we have just added another former guest of our show, Henry Godwin, to the fray. So you'll be joined by us, John and myself, Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, Shane Douglas, and now Henry Godwin at TMPTCon2 down in Richmond, Virginia. Head on over to our website, which is TMPTOfWrestling.com, or to our Facebook page and get more information and how you can find out on attending the TMPTCon2 Spectacular coming your way. So much more to come with TMPTCon2. And we cannot wait for this May 19th to come. It's right around the corner, it seems like. Eh, maybe, you know what, it actually seems a little farther away. But I think it's because I talk about it every two seconds. I can't wait. It's right around the corner for me. So join us and come to TMPTCon2 in Richmond, Virginia. So with all that being said, we want to thank Lanny Poffo again for coming on. And please support the Kickstarter campaign in its final days. And pick up a copy of wrestling's smartest man, Lanny Poffo, the genius. And hope you enjoy. So as the music starts to creep in, John hit us with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And let's get it on over to the man filled with glory and renown, the genius. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. And now, without any further ado, a former NWA Mid-America champion, a three-time ICW World Champion, he was the Poet Laureate of the WWF. You may know him as the genius. He is Leaping Lanny Papo. Please enjoy.
Well, joining us on the line tonight is the man we remember as the Poet Laureate of the WWF, a guy that when we think about the name The Genius, there's only one person that comes to mind. He, of course, is a former NWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Champion, a three-time ICW World Heavyweight Champion, a Gulf Coast Wrestling Tag Team Champion, and when you think of the last name Poffo, you think of nothing but greatness, and it's our pleasure to welcome in the one and only Leaping Lanny Poffo. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you very much, and you may call me the genius if you like. <laughs> well, the genius is always full of glory and renown, so if you allow me to call you the genius, I will do that until the cows come home. Or call me Lanny, it's much much easier, but either way. <laughs> Whatever you want, you're the boss, but I appreciate you coming on tonight, Lanny. It's, uh, it's really cool to get to talk to you, and we're here to talk about the Kickstarter comic book autobiography, and I got to tell you, this is one of these series that we've watched this develop over the last couple of years, and when you think about your story, you think about your family, I cannot wait to see the finished product. Tell us about this Kickstarter campaign and what we can expect with this comic book. Well, a guy named John Crowther reached out to me, and he said that uh, Nikolai Volkov was already involved and the Killer Bees, and, uh, you know, Cat saw Jim Duggan, ho, so I thought, wow, that's pretty good company. I'd like to get involved in that. And uh, this way I can tell my biography in comic book form. And uh, I thought that was a very unpretentious thing to do. And uh, it turns out the artists are so fantastic. And I'm really proud to be in it. They're going first class all the way. And uh, very soon you can get a copy at GeniusLannyPapo.com. But until that day, you can check it out by going into Squared Circle uh, Comics in uh, Facebook. And uh, even though we've already achieved our kickstart goals, there's still seven more days, and the fans can get some serious discounts. What a cool way to kind of illustrate a biography, though, by putting it in a comic book form. And it's a media now that's probably almost as popular as it's ever been. And obviously professional wrestling being as uh, much of a spectacle and as colorful as it is, comic books almost seem like they're the, uh, the, the best marriage. I know it's been attempted by uh, all the big promotions to have a comic book, but to tell a story, an autobiography, when hearing that on paper, does that kind of, does it strike you as, as, as interesting that how are we going to move a life story into an actual comic book? Yeah, this, the thing is, you know, I started out as a boy, and um, I don't know if you believe in God or coincidence, but you'll never guess who he threw into my life. Shel Silverstein. Have you heard of that man? Oh, absolutely. Where the sidewalk ends, the light in the attic, falling up. And also he wrote some songs for Johnny Cash, including A Boy Named Sue. And he wrote the unicorn song. Um, the loveliest of all was the unicorn. Now the fans know something else I can't do. So anyway... Um, I met him twice in my life, and he inspired me to uh, write poetry myself. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he died in 1999. So I was unable to say, hey, thanks for inspiring me. Here's a book that was just published, Limericks from the Heart and Lungs. And uh, it would have made him very happy. Unfortunately, you know, he uh, passed away before the book became published. But uh, what a fantastic man and how lucky I am to have been influenced by him. Uh, Shel Silverstein is an absolute staple of, you know, at least for John and I being in our mid-30s, the elementary school days, uh, Shel Silverstein was what we were taught when you got to the poetry uh, side of your learning. But i got to be honest with you, and this is being exposed to wrestling for the first time in 1987 and being a kid five, six, seven years old, when I thought of poetry, and this is not blowing smoke up anybody's rear end here, I thought of Leaping Lanny Poffo because it became such a staple of our Saturday mornings to hear your poems before your matches that somebody like us, John and myself, growing up, we think of poetry, we're wrestling fans, we think of Lanny Poffo. Why, that makes me feel very good. I'm 63 years old now, and, uh, you know, anytime I can have a sense of self-importance that's good for the ego. 
Oh, it's uh, trust me, it's uh, it, it's quite the it, it's quite the event just to talk to you because I mean I don't even have this written down, but the first wrestling event that I ever watched was the Saturday night's main event that pitted Hogan and Andre for the first time in the Battle Royal, and who's the first guy that I see get taken out? But you by a vicious headbutt by Andre the Giant, uh, 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 crimson mask, the whole nine yards. So. We're 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 tied at the hip here, Lanny. <laughs> From the jump start of watching wrestling, that was the first image that I can remember. Yeah, I thought you remember. You know, they needed a special thing to get Andre over as a villain because he was like the most popular wrestler that ever lived. And then they put him with Bobby Heenan, but they wanted to do one toke over the line, so they asked me to do that very special thing for Andre, and I was happy to do it. And then I was also, well, a little bit, I must say, I'm a human being. I have feelings. And I was very, very disappointed when I was not invited to be in WrestleMania 3. Instead, I was just the sacrificial lamb. But I do believe I've gotten revenge. Yeah, it's still, if you go back and watch it now, it's still brutal because, I mean, the way the stretcher comes out and you are just absolutely curled up and you see the the blood trickling out i mean obviously you were selected to be the guy i mean this is national tv this is saturday night's main event did you really feel that to be uh a big task uh, that was asked by you uh asked by the the boss to you to do something like that on such a grand scale yes and i felt like you know you meet a must have been like um a girl that um puts out on the first date and then doesn't get a phone call Oh man, uh, it's uh, it's so cool. I mean, I just to think about that moment and think about uh, all the characters and all the people that we grew up watching. And then I'm looking at the comic book and I'm looking at all, all the illustrations. And it's very easy to bring a lot of those characters to life. So when you got to see the illustrations, being a a, a poet and a, uh, an aficionado of the literary world, did you were you taken by the illustrations? Did you see those uh, coming to life in the way they did? Because they are quite fascinating. Well, I had an opportunity to meet some of the artists, and I had a chance to tell them how fantastic I felt that they were. You know, I had some very high expectations, and they were all met and exceeded by the greatest artists I've ever seen in the world of comics. You're just seeing your robe, the way it's brought to life, just seeing your facial expressions, the way it's brought to life. The artists who were involved in this project really just uh, they did a stellar, stellar job. And when you scroll through the Kickstarter page, which you can get to at kickstarter.com, you can see some of the illustrated pages and you can see how details of your life are just brought to life by these great artists. And I guess if there's anything that I could ask you about the actual comic book itself, not just your story, but the comic book, was there something that you just were taken by thinking, wow, this is so cool that I'm seeing this now brought to life through the eyes of a comic book? Well, I actually looked at the physique that they drew on me, and I said, I will never live up to those shoulders and abs. <laughs> and like I said, yeah, take a look at it. You'll see just how, uh, just how detailed and how really cool it is. But even the, uh, you know, just the training and seeing you, uh, you know, as you're starting to uh, grow up. I mean, you, you're, you're literally seeing your life before your eyes in a comic book. Were you a comic book fan growing up? My favorite comic book was Spider-Man because of the smart remarks he would make. How ironic that your uh, that your brother would end up in a Spider-Man movie. That's uh, that's quite the irony. Well, here's the real irony. When he was wrestling for Eddie Graham in Florida while he was playing baseball, uh, in in the winter time he would wear a mask and call himself Spider-Man. And uh, and then forty years later, he's got a starring role in the movie. Crazy and quite a uh, crazy coincidence. And, you know, kind of speaking of your brother, obviously the macho man, one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Being in the Popo family, obviously your father's a legendary wrestler as well. Did your father always want to get you both into the wrestling business? Was that a part of the grand schemes? Uh, that was the fallback thing. Uh, we were trying to make it as baseball players. And then, um, of course, Randy was better than me at baseball and wrestling. And uh, so he um, he finally he signed in 1971 with the St. Louis Cardinals. 
He was finally released in 1975 from the Chicago White Sox, and he got into wrestling, and I was amazed. He took to it like a fish to water, and good for him. Um, baseball's loss was wrestling's gain. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> very, very true, and you know the wrestling business is never quite the same. You know, it's, you know, since before he got there, and obviously since he, he left, the business hasn't been the same. He's just had such a huge, huge impact uh, on professional wrestling and, and us as fans. But, you know, speaking of you, you were pretty much a natural, and you kind of were a little bit different than what we were used to. And I think it was Rob Van Dam liked to talk about how he liked to adapt your athleticism and your style and some of the grace that you put into the business and some of the athletic moves. Were you always, you know, keen on, on being different as far as your wrestling style? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, Rob Van Dam not only copied me, he, he surpassed me easily. Um, but that's the way it is. Um, even, um, you know, even the great athletes like the, uh, the people, like in uh, the Olympics, you know, they uh, they break a world record of any younger person in the next four years. Um, you know, they surpass him. Of course, Hussein Bolt is a uh, anomaly. He won three in a row. So, yes, um, I believe that Rob Van Dam is ten times the athlete that Leaping Lanny was. Hey, don't don't take too much away from yourself, though. I mean, back especially back in the day, your athleticism, agility, wait a second, and a lot of the- wait a second. What I said was true. If you want to put me over, let me just say this. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, and I'm proud of all three of those. And um, that's where I stand head above heels of any of the wrestlers. Um, And I'm trying my best to influence as many young people as I can to avoid the dangers of drugs. That's why I'm 63 and still look like I do. Absolutely, and I just uh, was thinking of uh, you know the high flying and the ability and the athleticism back in the day that you had. But I was also thinking about you know Leaping Lanny, reading poems, throwing some frisbees. Was that kind of you know your idea to to add in the poems and, and the frisbees and stuff when you were Leaping Lanny when you first got into the WWF? Do you remember a TV show called TNT Tuesday Night Titans? Yes. Okay, I was a guest on TMT, and I knew that if I was boring, they would never invite me back. So I wore a suit of armor, and I did a poem. And Vince McMahon said, Lanny, that was great. From now on, you do a poem before every match. And I was so excited because I finally had a gimmick. And not only a gimmick, but it was legit. I actually write poetry, and I love to do it. And um, so I started. So then the, the Frisbees. I copied that from Al Costello. Are you familiar with that man? Yes. He was a tag team champion with Roy Hepperman and the fabulous Kangaroos, and they used to throw cardboard boomerangs out to the audience. They used to come into the ring with a carved boomerang from an aborigine, but of course you can't throw those to the audience because you'll kill somebody. But they threw the cardboard ones out. Two of the fans that used to go for those uh, boomerangs were the macho man and I when we were just children and um, so I thought what a lot of excitement so I said what can I throw I can't throw a boomerang because I'm not Australian and I said what can I throw that's going to get some traction so I rolled up some scrolls and threw those out and I didn't even make it into the first row and then I decided I've got it frisbees I'll put a poem on a frisbee and then I'll write a poem on the inside of the frisbee recite the frisbee, recite the poem, and throw them to the audience. And uh, that's what caused all the hullabaloo. And then they started selling them at the arena. I would, after I would win, lose, or draw, I would sign, the, sign them for the audience, and we would sell out every night of frisbees. And I, we sold hundreds and, hundreds and thousands of frisbees to the audience. And every once in a while, I run into a fan that still has a signed autographed frisbee. Those were very, very cool back in the day. And very cool to see Leaping Lanny 
turn into the genius. And, and I kind of just really like that, that, that heel turn because, you know, throwing the Frisbees and reading the poems is good, you know, to kind of get over and you know, establish yourself with a gimmick. But once you turn heel and really grasp that genius character, I felt like that was a turning point for you. And the crowd really, really, you know, hated you. And they hated when you started reading those poems. And, you, you know, you wore the cap and gown to the ring. Was that heel turn? Was that kind of a little bit of, of your idea? Which was that you putting in some, um, you know, some of your twist to the genius character? Well, I did everything I could to set myself up for success. And of course, every town I went to, I did a little cheat sheet. I would find out what the sports were in that town, and I would um, write a nasty poem about their sports teams. Which is, you know, if you go to a place like Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, you know, you say something against the Cornhuskers, that's all they've got is Cornhuskers. So uh, that got me very unpopular over there. And uh, the first poem that put me on the map was in Boston. And I said, my name is Lanny Popple. I always know what's up. The Bruins haven't got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. People went, oh. the Red Sox haven't won in years. I hope they never do. The Celtics are a travesty. The Patriots are too. And I bet those fans would be very amazed to know that, um, you know, I don't really care about football. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to watch the Super Bowl only because um, that's what people do, you know, but uh, I'm, I have no money on the line and don't care who wins. Now, pro wrestling's smartest man was, you know, a great gimmick there. And like you said, like that, that cheap heel heat where you really got to the crowd and they would be infuriated. And, you know, then they kind of put you with Mr. Perfect, and that was just an awesome pairing. You just talk about a little bit of the chemistry with you and Perfect when you were basically his executive consultant. I'll tell you what. I love Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. I'm very, very sorry that he passed away. And in a 21-year career, I would say the four months that I spent with Kurt Henning and got to be a nemesis of, you know, whatever I was, you know, a piece of gum on the boot of uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, those four months were the greatest four months of my career. I got two main, uh, actually three main events in Madison Square Garden. Uh, We broke box office records in places like Los Angeles uh, Sports Arena and the Myriad in Oklahoma City. I don't think they call it that anymore, but they keep changing the names and demolishing buildings. That's how I know I'm getting older. And um, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning was the consummate professional. And uh, I'm very sorry that he passed away too soon. You guys were such a great pairing, and you guys – when you destroyed Hogan's WWF title back then, that was a complete shocker. And then for the fact that you actually have a victory over Hulk Hogan was a big shock. So you said that was a great moment in career. Does that hold up for you over time? You know, those kind of memories where, you know, you're beating the Hulkster, who's the number one guy, you're destroying the title belt. Well, if you go on geniuslannypopper.com, you will find that I've got selective amnesia over my career. Those are the only great moments that I want to remember. <laughs> I got you. And, you know, at that point in time, it was just so great with you and perfect. And it definitely felt like a longer period of time. I just, I don't know. I just, maybe it's the fan to me. I felt like it was even longer than those four months that you said, it felt like you and perfect were together for a while, but I guess that's just the the staying power in, in our minds as fans that you and perfect had that awesome chemistry. Right. It all ended at uh, WrestleMania um, and uh, six. And then, you know, and then I got um, faded out, and that's what happens. You know, it's like one is in jail, the other is just visiting. I was just visiting. You know, the it's like the bum of the month club, you know, but it was my turn, and it was fantastic. And I, I drank from the silver chalice of success for one brief shining moment, and it was all worth it. was a great run, though, and that's pretty much what a lot of fans consider the golden era of the WWF. Would you agree at that period that those were the larger-than-life characters? Those were the, you know, really the guys that the fans remember more than anything? Well, I don't want to be one of those old-timers that knock the stars today. I mean, they're trying to make a living, too, 
and hopefully a fortune. And they risked their lives every night. The only advantage that we had over they them is uh, we didn't have writers and they did. Once you have writers that kind of, how are you going to have a personality like Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. We didn't use writers. We did it ourselves. And until they start firing the writers, they're never going to have the personalities because it's going to sound like people reading. You know, and that's what they're doing. They are reading. They're memorizing lines that are reading. And it's just too cookie cutter. They are great athletes. They deserve to make a living and a fortune. It's just that they are handcuffed by the cookie cutter. You know, you and your your brother and obviously your dad had amazing physiques, and your dad held records for the fact that he could, uh, what was it, the most crunches, uh, Guinness Book of Records for crunches, but you still managed to keep yourself in good shape. I mean, is that something that has just been ingrained from the beginning of your life, that fitness and, and taking care of yourself? Because I guess your body's your vessel. Has that always been uh, something that was brought to you from when you were such a little kid? Well, first of all, my, bro- my dad was not in the Guinness Book of World Records. He was in Ripley's Believe It or Not. Ripley's. Sorry. And, uh, and it wasn't crunches. It was Navy sit-ups with the hands held behind his, his neck. And he did 6,033 consecutive sit-ups in four hours and ten minutes legitimately. And uh, he was always a physical fitness taken it a step further. I'm into intermittent fasting, prolonged fasting, and I live on a diet of greens, onions, mushrooms, beans, berries, and seeds. Very little cheating except when I'm on the road. And intermittent fasting, I skip breakfast, I skip lunch, and my first meal is at around 3 p.m. every day because uh, I'm trying to – I don't want to live 100 years. I'm trying to live indefinitely. I want to prove to the world that um, what can happen – when we live every moment uh, conscientiously. And what did you attribute to how athletic you were during your active days? Was it cardio or was it just a steady, uh, you know, steady diet and also just a regular, uh, you know, workout that you kept consistent? Well, I believe um, what you are is God's gift to you and what you make of yourself is your gift to God. So I was blessed with a very good physique. And I did the best with what I had. Of course, when I say very good physique, I went into the locker room and there's the ultimate warrior. There's Hulk Hogan. There's Warlord. There's Barbarian. And, you know, my, my physique that I was blessed with seems a little bit anemic compared to these people. But I worked with what I had and I did my very best. And um, when I run into fans like you that remember me, it makes me feel, you know, all worthwhile, that all my hard work was worthwhile. Is there anybody that you would look at post-retirement for you that you could say their body of work uh, would be similar to yours in the ring? Is there anyone that you've seen that you're like, you know what, if I could lace up the boots uh, in my prime, I'd pick this one guy to be uh, my opponent? Well, I, I would say there's so many people that I don't want to slight anybody, but I would say um, Chris Jericho with his interviews, his baby face, his heel, everything he did was tremendous entertainment for the fans. And uh, I really respected him. And I felt if I was in my prime, perhaps I could have a good match with him. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If I couldn't, I'd be the first guy that couldn't. Hmm. And as we hit the wind down, start to wind it down here, you've had such a great career. If you really look back and really focus in on not just WWF days, you look back at all the territories you kind of went through, all territories you ran through, you know, Mid-South, you know, whether it be Memphis over there, CWA, all the many, many places you went. I always think of ICW, which was your father's promotion, and obviously Angelo was a big part of it, and so were you and Randy, and I just always think, what, do you have any favorite moments looking back at that promotion? Because I feel like it's a lost territory where a lot of fans can't find footage or you know pretty much any footage uh, of some of the great legendary things that happened there 
I would say being tag team partners with George Weingaroff, and we're still friends today. He lived in Nashville, and, um, you know, everything. Uh, I had a lot of good times there. Ronnie Garvin, a lot of fun. He was fun on the road. Um, you know, we had some good times. So um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. And doing a little bit of... Uh, Waxing rhapsodic there. It was, uh, and a lot of now, great did, stars were there. Bob Orton Jr., uh, Bob Roop, Ronnie Garvin, you know, uh, Crusher Broomfield, who became One Man Gang, and Akeem. So, you know, a lot of great stars passed through the ICW. Yeah, to say uh, the absolute least. With the footage, though, is there any footage still left, or who owns it, or, or whatever happened to you know that basically that legendary footage of all those guys kind of coming through? Uh, all the footage is gone. Everything is gone. Whatever you see on YouTube is the uh, is what made it through. Kind of a, a shame. This is such a awesome territory, and obviously. If you're looking for some some Randy Savage stuff, there's some great stuff kind of uh, lost, I guess, in, in the archives through, throughout the history there. But looking back at your career, do you have some favorite matches or maybe a match that sticks out more than others? Maybe not in ICW, but but in other territories and other places that you've wrestled? There's only one man smart enough to put Hulk Hogan down. The genius has a devastating plan. You're looking at the future World Wrestling Federation, who appeals to the modern thinking fan. When I emerge victorious with gold around my waist, I shall be the most splendiferous of all. Don't tell me Hulk is six foot eight and I'm just six foot two. Between the ears, I'm over ten feet tall. He wants to wrap his twenty-four inch pythons round my neck and give his famous "What you gonna do?" By the power of the genius and the world's smartest man, I'll rely on my incredible IQ. That's unbelievable. That, that, that was fantastic. I mean, I, I, I won't give you a standing ovation right now, Lanny. That was awesome. Thank you so much for that. We got we to gotta bring it back to the comic book on that note because there's nothing else we're going to ask that's going to top that. That was awesome. But before we do the big plug for the Kickstarter, I just got to ask you, I usually finish it up with asking the wrestler who, what their legacy is in the business, what they look back on their career. But I've got to ask it in terms of the Poffo name, the Poffo family. When the book is closed on professional wrestling, what do you think the fans will remember about the Poffo family? Well, my brother once told me that he never wanted to slight the fans. He felt if he didn't give his 100% best performance, he's no better than a pickpocket or a shoplifter. And the fans paid their money, their hard-earned money, to see the show, and he made sure that the Macho Man was dressed to kill and wrestled to kill. And, um, you know, I was, and I was thinking how lucky I am to be the son of Angelo Papo and how lucky I am to be the brother of the Macho Man. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be important enough to talk to right now. Getting your foot in the door is the most important thing in the world. And that's who got our foot in the door my father and my brother. And I just hope I was worthy of being in the ring to entertain the fans for the time that I did. It's an unbelievable story. And you can get on over to kickstarter.com. The name of the comic is the genius Lanny Poffo wrestling's smartest man. I mean, just to, to read it, just to see your story illustrated is, is quite unbelievable. And Lanny, I'm going to hand it over to you. If you can please share with the listeners, of the two-man power chip of wrestling, just anywhere else they can get information about the book as well as follow anything and everything going on in the world of the genius Leaping Lanny Poffo. Well, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's on my Facebook account. It's on my Twitter. But uh, look at Squared Circle Comics, and you'll get all the information that you need. And you can't beat that. And Lanny, we really appreciate you coming on. This is an absolute thrill. And, uh, and you're, you're one of the all-time favorites of the two-man power trip, so we can't thank you enough. I appreciate you guys, and thank you for being very well-informed so you could give a good interview. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading. <laughs>
step aside. We heard a rumor, man. We heard a rumor, didn't we? Yeah. He's going to leave town if he loses. Leave town. We don't care what you do with your personal life. Step aside, Dutch Mattel. Let somebody else have a chance to take this belt away from the macho man. NWA, Mid-American heavyweight champion, yeah, looking at you through the video scope. Memphis, Tennessee is macho man country. Lance Russell, don't I a great announcer, yeah! Don't you think that I should be doing the Tonight Show, the Macho Man Randy Savage? Too bad I'm such a wonderful athlete, yeah. Dutch Man, tell, tell you what. We heard a rumor that if you don't beat the Macho Man Randy Savage in Memphis, Tennessee, in Macho Man country, you're leaving town, so you might as well get your bags packed right now. Start the car and start driving back to Texas, yeah! Dutch Mantel. No, Dutch Mantel, you're can't real good, me. Dutch Mantel. But the Macho Man is better. Much better. NWA, Mid-American Heavyweight Champion, yeah! Looking at you, Dutch Mantel. Pack your bags and leave. No, because you can't beat me. Jerry the Queen Lawler, looking at you right now. Do you see something, Lawler Man, Memphis, Tennessee? Macho Mania, yeah! Macho Mania. Step aside, Dutchman. Macho Mania, man. Step aside. Macho Mania, NWA, Mid-American Heavyweight Champion, yeah. But, you know, you mentioned the Macho Man Randy Savage and what the Poffos meant to your career. Yeah. Randy, Randy Savage, that is yeah, one of the greatest of all time, but what kind of influence did the Poffos have on you? Like, what did they actually train you, and what were they teaching you as you're coming along? Well, it was basically, they never told me anything it was just observing okay and I watched them I watched us create that ICW territory and at one time we had like 16 TV markets uh, me and Randy lived together and he'd do all the booking all the finishes and then he'd get me all wound up so we ended up being in bodybuilding contests while we were wrestling every day hmm. so he taught, he taught me about pushing his father taught me about being dependable, and uh, hell, his, his dad was 58 years old and did sit up the whole time on the TV show. So you're looking at this guy as a like a god, and then he he get that Mercedes, and if we had a 350 uh, mile trip one way, he'd drive every mile there and every mile back, and my ass would be stuck in the back with three other big guys, well it was a step five in the car, couldn't move. Right, and you knew that when you it was time to take a piss, you better take it. Hmm. <laughs> we ain't waiting on you. But uh, we worked every day, except uh, uh, New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve. Sometimes two shows on a Saturday, sometimes two on a Sunday, and you learn to work. You learn to call it into rain. You learn to what everybody does. And hell, there wasn't no teaching videos. Hell. VCRs, it would cost $29 for a goddamn tape. You know what I mean? So there wasn't this access to seeing all this other shit. There wasn't no internet. You would see Harley Race for the first time when you met him. You'd see Roddy Piper for the first time when you met him. You would see Mike Graham the first time. Wahoo first time. Holy first time. Uh, Pat O'Connor first time. Dick the Bruiser. Uh, uh, Mad Dog. Bruno. You know, you would see him. And a lot of these guys, I've seen them in magazines, you know what I mean? And I've never seen them work before because you know, there was only the uh, uh, the local TV and no cable at that time. And a 500-pound body slam by a leaping land in a back of oh. the somersault and a body press with a count of two. A two count. He's thrown out Throw onto the floor. Randy Savage throwing. Randy Savage trying to throw, to throw him back in the ring, but Randy retaliating against... Look at Randy that. Savage. Lanny back in the ring now. Using the ropes. And back in. Look at this. Pusher Broomfield extending the hand to Leaping Lanny. Lanny doesn't know this Lanny is doesn't know whether to accept it. He or did. Or, he's accepted it. Crowd is standing Pusher on it. Broomfield is leaving the ring. Leaping Lanny what is back going? for a somersault. Referee counting Crusher back into the ring. Savage and Pistol Pez still trying to get Crusher back into the ring. 
It'd be hard to push a 500-pound man back into the ring. Percy Broomfield is not even making any attempt to get back into the ring, so Lanny is waiting it's pretty sure that this one is going to be over. Randy Savage is telling Percy Broomfield now about the contract that he has on him and tells him that he must ring the bell. The match is over, and the winner, Leaping Lanny. Referee declared Leaping Lanny the winner because Crusher refused to get back into the ring. Well, it was always a little bit of... Yeah, it never went away. Him and I got in a in a fight in the, on the floor in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, some fans got hurt a little bit, and and uh, yeah, it was a tag match. And that was uh, back in oh Lord, I don't know. I would I want to say 1976. He was just starting. He was just starting. And then I went uh, up there, and I, I, I owned 20% of that promotion. The Apostles, I had 20% of that promotion. So, yeah, that didn't last but, but three years, I think. Two and a half, three years. Well, Randy, Randy was a, a good performer. He was a good, good wrestler. He looked good. Uh, you know, he was just a funny cat. <laughs> he just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he trusted anybody. You know, he was always on the lookout for something, and and and, and uh, I don't know. I, I there was one guy, him and his dad. I have never been around people. Uh, I don't know if they mistrusted everybody, or or I don't know. I never could figure that out. You know, of course, I never was around him twenty four hours a day, but. Uh, I, he was not acting when he was, uh, you know, just just always uh, on the lookout. He, he reminded me of a, of a, some kind of a, I don't know, but somebody was going to sneak up on him, you know. <laughs> he, he, he didn't look the type that was very relaxed, you know. He's got to well, switch to decaf, you know. He's a paranoid rattlesnake. He's uh He's yeah, probably. Like somebody's yeah, he, he acted like a turkey on the lookout. You know what turkeys do all the time? They're always <laughs> turning their head right, left, right, left. <laughs> but uh, nah, he, he, well, he was very successful, you know. Made money with him. I wrestled him quite a few times, you know. And again, you know, money was the bottom line. You know, and I, I respect people. He, he he was he worked hard. He too bad he died so so young, you know, but uh you know, what are you gonna do? The guy was a good performer. That's all I can tell you. I don't know him much about this I just watched him from a distance and I said you know, in a, a kind of a just shook my head, I said, you know, I never never met anybody like that. Of all the people you meet in your life, you know, there's a few that just stand out, you know. For whatever reason, I don't know. And uh, Lanny, his brother, was total opposite. You know, Leaping Lanny was just cool guy, relaxed, uh, easygoing, <laughs> you know, just total opposite. It's a good thing about brothers. You never know which one, uh, you know, which personality you're going to end up with. But it's just kind of interesting when you hear your, you know, your career and you watch it, obviously, like we have, you know, you see that it, it was such a, it was a great job for you. And it was something that made you so, you know, it, it just, it drove you to, to make yourself better and to make your life better. But by the time you were finishing up that a guy like the Macho Man, Andy Savage, who you had some issues with was, the champion at the time in the company that you were leaving when you, you know, when you left, uh, you know, wrestling full time. But when the champion is the guy who's supposed to be driving the houses, did you think that the WWF, you know, and the, and the, the schedule that they had, you've already established that that was crazy. Um, but was the champion, the guy really driving the ticket sales or was it more about the WWF at that point? Uh, there was, uh, the WWF was, I never had wrestled WWE, WWF at the time, you know, I never had wrestled. I almost went one time when Vince Sr. was promoter, was a promoter. I think it was in the 70s or something. I uh, thought about going there and 
but for some reason I never went. And it was something at the end there. Uh, I think the way I got there is Pat Patterson had called me. Somebody called me, and because uh, I, I was uh, I was out of the NWA, and I think I had came back from from Puerto Rico, I believe. Yeah, and I was in the, I was in the states, and, uh, and that's how I got to go there. And uh, I wasn't too thrilled about it because I kind of knew I didn't fit there, you know. And uh, uh, Macho Man fit there, you know. He had all his robes and this, you know, all the flashy stuff, and you know, uh, I had a different style of wrestling, you know. I and uh, you know, being on the mic was not my best, uh, you know. Uh, to me, to me, wrestling. I, mean, I was brought up on the old. When the bell rang, that's when the action was on, you know. All the entrance and all the rest, uh, the flashy stuff. And, you know, it didn't matter much. People came to see a fight. They're going to see a fight. You know, you want to see me dance? Well, you're in the wrong place because I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was uh, basically the, 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 the mentality, you know. And I, I went there and tried it out. And, and I had my own airplane, too, at the time. And that helped, you know. I used to fly myself everywhere. And... Uh, and I, that extended my career probably for another four or five years, you know, because I, uh, you know, these these commercial flights are <laughs> they're not fun, really. You know, you do it day in and day out, uh, it gets old. Especially today, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even do it one time. Yeah, I, I don't even fly commercial anymore. I'm gonna drive. You know, I'm not taking my shoes. I'm not going through all this. Sit there for two hours before your flight. You know, yeah. I would have quit the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have forced me to quit the business right there. You know, life's too short. You don't need aggravation. Louisville, Kentucky. The dream match has always been decided, hasn't it? Yeah, we were certain. Dream match, one hundred thousand dollars. Macho Man versus Jarrett Dundee and Tojo. I don't know what else I can do to you, man. I don't know what else I can do. Later on in the program, I got more information for you, man. Hold the microphone, Steve Cooper. $100,000 is a lot of money in every country in the world, man. Eat your hearts out, man. You don't think that this is enough money to come get the macho, man, huh? $100 bills, man. Take a look at them. $100 bills, big guy. Those are hundreds, man. Mwah! My own personal money! Look what I'm going to do with that. Jared, Tojo, and Dundee, they're yours, man, up in the air. Let me grab some more, man, $100,000. All you poor people have never seen this much money. I bet you all have a lot of guts, and we'll have to come after the macho man, wouldn't you? Three against one. Look at that, Cooper. You're all a bunch of yellow chicken Very, very first invasion angles. Uh, the Popples had run ICW, International Championship Wrestling, on the Kentucky for, uh, I guess, around 1979, 80, 81, 82, and then they went out of business in 83. Soon as they, and Randy would go on their shows and challenge Jerry Jarrett's wrestlers, mainly Lawler, Dundee, Tojo Amaloto, and Jarrett, to come show up at any of their matches, and they'd give them $10,000 to fight and all these things. And Savage was literally spending 10 or 15 minutes on his own show talking about Jarrett's wrestlers and Jarrett. And you're, you know, I just thought that was crazy. It's like you're, you're advertising for us, Randy. Uh, anyways, but they went out, eventually went out of business. And the first thing that happened after they went out of business was Jerry Jerk called Randy Savage and said, hey, we'd love to have you guys come in now. And Randy said, what do you mean? We hated you. We're yeah, I know, but you're out of business, right? He said, yeah. Well, come on in. Let's do an angle with that. We can all make some money. And that's what happened. They actually had a – it was a – I want to say late 83, like December, November, December of 83, and they did an angle where Angelo Poffo and Randy Savage and I think Lanny, Leap and Lanny came in. The three of them just barged in on the uh, Saturday morning TV show and started taking over, and they had security drag them out and whatever. And, you know, you, back then you just did, you didn't know if it was real or not. It was very well done. Um, and that started the feud, and they did a quick feud with Lawler and Savage 
and uh, Lawler got the wins. But then uh, they, they stayed. I mean, they were around for over a year, I want to say, and they actually flipped Savage to a good guy for a while. Then Savage went back to a bad guy, and Savage and Alani did a, had a team against um, the Rock and Roll Express. They did a famous angle where they piled drive Ricky Morton through a table at ringside, and they did that all over the promotion. Um, then they uh, turned Savage good again. I think eventually bad around 85, when, right before he went back to uh, their, his first run with Vince. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.